You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? Happy Thursday. You are listening to Locked On NBA Draft, and this is your host, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Thank you for each and every person that makes Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. I really, really, really appreciate it. I mean, I have so much gratitude for each and every one of my listeners. I know I mentioned it all the time, but it's 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 100% sincere. And in this episode, what I'm going to do, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm trying to just think of different ways to make this podcast the best podcast out. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give my personal thoughts on ESPN's mock draft. Well, it's actually Jonathan Gavoni's mock draft. And he released this a couple days ago. And I mean, he didn't really go into too much detail, but he gave picks one through well I was gonna say one through 60 but there are two teams that forfeited picks so there will only be 58 selections in this year's draft I don't have time to go through each and every pick but I'll just start off with the lottery and I'll just give my personal thoughts on some of the selections and then we'll see if based off of time if I'll have enough time to um, you know add on some players outside of the lottery All right, so before I get started, I'll let you know that the draft order is the projected 2022 draft order based off of ESPN's BPI draft projections as of Monday. And it also lists that the full 1 through 58 order reflects the picks that are owed and owned by the team. All right, so let's get started. He has the Orlando Magic selecting Chet Holmgren. And let's just be honest, Orlando was awful. They are currently 9-40. and 40. They are averaging to lose by 8.5 points per game. But what makes Orlando so interesting is that they have talent. Like, the record doesn't indicate it, but they have some pretty good young pieces. I think the pecking order is really the issue. But based off of now, Cole Anthony might be their best player. Or he's their leading scorer. I shouldn't say best player. He's averaging 18.6 rebounds and 6 assists per game, which is something that I would not have guessed. I thought that he had a bad summer league, and I thought that there was a chance that he was going to be a six-man, but he has taken the role as Orlando's leading scorer this year. Now, yeah, you may say the leading scorer on the worst team is not really saying much, but Cole Anthony has played well, in my opinion. Then you have Franz Wagner, Wagner who was the 2021 draft pick. He's averaging 15 points, nearly five rebounds and three assists per game. I feel like he's been good. He's been better than advertised. Then, of course, you have Jalen Suggs, who they selected early in the 2021 draft. He got off to a slow start, and he wasn't really a standout in summer league, but he's looked a lot better since the injury, even though he's really, really struggling shooting from three. But Orlando has... I mean, they have some talent at guard. You still have Markel Foltz, who they just paid, who's coming off an ACL injury. Then you have R.J. Hampton in the mix. And then on the front court, you got Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter. And they're basically second and third on the team and game started. So I don't think that front court together 
is going to be good long term. But, I mean, you have two guys that are playing decent. I mean, they were both lottery picks, uh, high draft picks. I think they were both picked in the top six or seven. Wendell Carter, since moving to Orlando from Chicago this year, he's been a double-double machine. He's averaging 13 and 10. Bamba's averaging 10, 8, and 2 blocks per game. And then you also have Jonathan Isaac. I mean, Jonathan Isaac has not played since the bubble. And I, I was reading something about Ozark, and, the, and I'm an Ozark fan. I actually just finished season four, at least the first part of season four. And they were talking about how even though season four is here, you probably need to go back and watch season three. The last episode was in 2020. And in bubble years, even though it's been a, a little more than two years, it feels like 10 years. So I said all that to say this. It feels like it's been five years since we've seen Jonathan Isaac play. So he's still in, in their mix. And then, of course, you got Markel Fultz. But Fultz, I mean, Isaac should be returning to action soon. I mean, you know, it's been really, really quiet. Maybe it's because I'm in Europe and by the time I'm asleep, all the NBA stuff comes on. But I have not really heard much about Jonathan Isaac. It's like he is just kind of vanished in a sense but like I said Orlando has pieces and whoever they select is going to play the same position as someone they either just drafted or they invested money in but ESPN or Jonathan Gavoni has Orlando selected Chet Holmgren well I personally think Duke's Paolo Bancaro would be the better fit I believe Bancaro has the best chance of being a number one option and a go-to player, I think he's more ready to come in and make an impact now. But Orlando does have a tendency, at least with this front office, they do they do have a tendency to draft skinny, long, defensive-minded prospects. So I can see Chet landing there. So right off the top, I'm going to disagree with Gavoni's pick for the Orlando Magic. All right, at number two, he has the Detroit Pistons selecting Paolo Bancaro. Now, I agree with this pick 100%. I like the idea of Ben Carroll and Kate Cunningham. I think they'd be a really good one-two combination. Both can score. They can create mismatches with their size and strength. And they also both have the feel and the passing instincts to where they can create scoring opportunities for their teammates. I mean, I, I think a Ben Carroll and Cunningham pick and roll would be tough to stop as Ben Carroll would be effective as a short roll passer. We know that he loves the ball at like the, the mid-range where he can get to his mid-range pull-up, where he can drive, he could post up. I mean, I just think that this would be the best choice for them. And then if he can, I mean, he's already a pretty decent shooter, but if he can become a little bit more consistent, then he could end up being a guy that they can run pick and pops for as he can attack closeouts. But then they could also reverse it. And they could run a 5-1 or 4-1 pick and roll with Cunningham as the role. I just think Bancaro would give the Pistons so many different options. Now, you may say, well, this team needs to be a little bit more athletic. And I think Bancaro is fine as the athlete. But I have Bancaro as the number one player on my board. So if he falls to number two to Detroit, I think this would be like my favorite fit as far as players and the team that would be most ideal in the in the top three at number three it is the houston rockets selecting jabari smith now houston would have an easy choice here selecting smith because they basically just have to choose between who's left between holmgren and vancaro 
And I think that, I mean, this was easy for Gavoni to make this pick. Auburn's Jabari Smith shouldn't fall any further than number three, but realistically, he could be the number one choice in June. He is the best shooter from three out of the three players that are in most people's tier one. He's considered to have a better defensive upside than Bancaro. And something to note, he is a full year younger than Chet Holmgren. Now, me personally, I can imagine Jabari playing a role that's kind of similar to what we see from Christian Wood in Houston. Or I can see Houston using Jabari like they currently use Christian Wood. Now, Auburn doesn't really use Jabari Smith in ball screens. But when he does, he likes to pop on 78% of his attempts. And he has an effective field goal of about 52.3%. And in Houston, the majority of Christian Wood's possessions are as the screener. And the majority of his possessions as the screener, he prefers to pop instead of roll. And I think that Smith will be a, or at least he projects to be a better three-point shooter than Christian Wood. And Christian Wood is pretty good. He's shooting 36% from three this year. While Jabari is shooting 40% from three in college on five attempts per game. And he's only 18 years old. So I think that he has a high upside as a shooter. So I agree 100% with Govoni's choice to have Jabari Smith to the Houston Rockets. All right, when we return... I'll talk about picks four through ten, but I want to talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march towards the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas, Vegas casino games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. And that is because BetOnline is where the game starts. So once again, thank you for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. But I have something exciting for you. I can't wait. It's one of my favorite days of the year. The Locked On NBA crew. I was going to say draft, but the Locked On NBA crew will be doing a trade deadline show. It will be live, and you have your, your local Locked On hosts, and they will be discussing and breaking down some of the trades that take place on the trade deadline. I'm hoping that this is an active trade deadline, so if you're looking to hear analysis on what happens with Ben Simmons or the Atlanta Hawks or maybe even like a Dame Lillard or Bradley Bill, if somebody's moved, the Locked On Trade Deadline Show is where you will get the best analysis from the local experts. Now, I'm going to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder. And again, in this episode, I'm just giving my personal opinions on ESPN's Jonathan Gavoni's mock draft. And he did the, the mock draft based off of the ESPN projections of where teams will be picking. And then there's also the picks that are owned or owed to the team. So at number four, he has the Oklahoma City Thunder selecting Memphis center Jalen Duren. And on one hand, this was a, a surprise to me to see Duren so high, but this fit makes a lot of sense. It makes the most sense for Oklahoma City if they are selecting four. 
And of course, they don't end up in the top three. And that's because they need help at center. And they are currently starting Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And Josh Giddy leads the team in rebounding at seven per game. And if there's one thing that you know you can get out of Jalen Duran, it's, it's the rebounding. And I think that he would immediately improve the Thunder's interior defense. He'd improve their rebounding and just give them a physical presence. He's only 18 years old. He's still supposed to be in high school. Like right now, he's supposed, supposed to be thinking about his prom date. But he's just a few months away from getting drafted. I think this is a no-brainer pick for Sam Presti and the absolute best-case scenario if the Thunder can't get a top-three pick. So I agree with Javoni 100% right here. At number five, he has the Sacramento Kings selecting Jaden Ivey. The Sacramento Kings are a mess. But what is new? I mean, this is not surprising. They haven't made the playoffs since... Sheesh, I don't even know. I'm thinking, like, the last time the Sacramento Kings made the playoffs, I was probably listening to, like, Dipset, State Property. My pants were, like, four sizes too big. I wore pinwheel hats. I mean, I, I have not seen the Sacramento Kings make the playoffs since early in my adult years. And what makes matters worse is they had expectations coming into this season, and just a few days ago, they got smacked by, like, 50 points or so. I think they were down by 60 at one point. So I can imagine that this roster is going to change a lot over the next two weeks. And they may be in need of a guard. If you go by what they have on the roster today, Jaden Ivey doesn't make sense because they have De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell, Buddy Hill. So it wouldn't make any sense, but I don't see all of those guys being on the roster as of today. I still see two of the guys being there. So Ivy still would be in a weird situation. Again, I don't agree with the pick as of today, but I understand the thought process. And I don't even know where the Kings would go in this draft. I think if Jalen Duren is available, then he would make sense. But they have a bunch of centers. And I like uh, Nemus Kata. I think that he could be the center of the future there. But again, we... We can't really judge what Sacramento is going to do until they wipe this roster clean within the next couple of weeks. And number six, Javoni has the San Antonio Spurs selecting Keegan Murray. And Murray just seems like a pop guy. And he's someone that fits the Spurs system. And also, San Antonio needs a four in the worst way. So he fills a positional need. If I'm not mistaken, I think Doug McDermott. Just the Spurs starting power four right now. Or if it's not McDermott, then it's Keldon Johnson. Neither one of those guys are natural fours. And Murray just fits. I mean, he's currently averaging a little under 23 points per game and eight rebounds. He's also blocking two shots per game, and he's a capable shooter. So he could be like this defensive presence that can protect the rim, that can knock down open shots, put the ball on the floor. I mean, the Spurs need a four. Keegan Murray is a four, so I agree 100% with Javoni on this pick. At number seven, Gavoni has the New Orleans Pelicans selecting Shaden Sharp. Now, Sharp is this 6'6", 200-pound wing that has literally shaken up the lottery. It's a really weird situation because he was the number one recruit coming into the 2022 recruiting class, and he decided to enroll at Kentucky during the semester break. Now, I... Thought, at least I thought the original plan was him to get a head start on his peers and practice with the team the rest of the season and then play next year. But now there's been like a change. It looks like he can be or will be eligible for the 2022 draft since he'll turn 19 this year. 
and there are some reports that he had enough credits to graduate high school prior to the season starting. So if that is the case, then we're going to see a guy that I think is going to be selected in the lottery despite playing a single college game. So we'll see how that goes. But as of now, it seems like that is the case, that he'll be in the lottery now. It's going to be scout. It's going to be a situation where they're going to have to go to Lexington and watch him practice, or maybe if he is on the team and he's suiting up, maybe watch him warm up. It's going to make their jobs a little bit difficult, but I think that he's so talented and he has such a strong reputation coming into this season that he'll end up being a lottery pick. And it may not even make sense for him to play a game because if he plays a game, then he can hurt his draft stock. If he doesn't play, the mystique or mysteriousness behind it could help him. So it's definitely kind of throwing a monkey wrench in the draft. He's an athletic scorer and shot creator, but it's risky for the Pelicans to draft a player straight out of high school, especially when you consider that we've seen guys who were considered lottery picks back in September. And they've really struggled as a freshman or they've struggled so far in their season and now are likely to be selected in the second round. But I totally understand the situation where the Pelicans could think that Sharp would have been a top three pick, probably behind Victor Wimbanyama and Scoot Henderson in the 2023 draft. And if they can get him a year earlier at a lower pick, because I imagine if they have Zion healthy next year, they do not foresee them being in the lottery and not having a chance to select someone like Sharp. So I totally get that thought process. So I'm going to have to agree with Gavoni on this pick here. At number eight, he has the Indiana Pacers selecting Johnny Davis. Now, Johnny Davis is having a breakout season that could actually see him win National Player of the Year. I personally have him as a top five pick on my last big board. And that was after leaving him out of the first round in the first edition or Big Boy 1.0. And he's convinced me that he's 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 ready for the big time. Now, in my opinion, I think the Pacers need a stretch four more than they need another guard. They currently have Karis LeVert. And then you have Chris Duarte. And the Pacers are... I mean, they're not on the Sacramento Kings level as a mess, but they're a mess. And I know Rick Carlisle did not leave Dallas to rebuild. And it kind of backfired. Like, Rick, what were you thinking? Okay, maybe he felt like with a new general manager coming in that, you know, his job was unsafe and he thought Nico Harrison was going to bring in his own guy. But, you know, you heard the rumors that him and Luka didn't get along. Eh, Whatever. But you don't leave Luka Doncic and the Mavs to go to Indiana and now you're in a situation you're rebuilding, but that has, you know, that's a whole different subject. So I, I imagine that the Pacers are going to move Miles Turner at some point, and I think that that move will make them better as Sabonis can play the five full time. So I think that adding a natural four would make sense here, even though TJ Warren, who also hasn't really, I think he played a couple games last year, but he hasn't really played since the bubble, which seems like so long ago again. And I just think they need a four, even though I think TJ Warren is going to be a four. But I mean, he's had a foot injury that has kept him out over a year. So we don't know what to expect for him. But a four would be the spot that I would be looking to fill if I'm the Pacers. I was Keegan Murray would be the ideal fit here, but he's gone. I mean, Jonathan has him going to the Spurs. Davis is the best player available, and if I'm the Pacers, I'm going to shock the world 
and maybe if if I can get a pick for Miles Turner, or I would trade down. But I think the player that I think would be the best fit for the Pacers, and nobody has him this high, but I would draft Nikola Jovic out of Serbia. That's just me personally. That's who I would go with. All right, at number nine, he asked the Washington Wizards selecting Ty, Ty Washington. I agree with this pick here. I think Spencer Dinwiddie should be a six-man. I think he's best when he's operating as the primary ball handler and go-to scorer with the second unit. I just think that his game is just suited to be the man. He's not good enough to be the man on a contender, but I think a six-man role would be the best for him. Ty Ty can play both guard spots. He can knock down open shots. He can make plays out of ball screens. He can initiate the offense. We saw him have a game where he put up 17 assists. And in my opinion, I think his game and his style and his play overall complements Bradley Bill probably more than any of the point guards that he's played with throughout his career. You know, Wall, even though they had some success there, I think Wall wasn't... I mean, we saw Bill take off without Wall, then Westbrook was not the best fit. And once they turned the team over to Westbrook, they became... I mean, they got better. But I think that uh, Ty Ty Washington would be a good fit next to Bill if Bill is going to be there long term. And I've mentioned it before that I think Ty Ty is the next Kentucky player that will outperform his draft position. All right. When we return, I'll talk about picks 10 through 14, starting off with the Atlanta Hawks. All right, at number 10, ESPN's Jonathan Gavoni has the Atlanta Hawks selecting Benedict. Matherin from Arizona. Yeah, I'm kind of iffy on this one because the Hawks have more wings than Wingstop, Popeyes, Kentucky Fried Chicken. I mean, they just have wings galore, and they just traded a wing, even though they brought in another one to replace uh, Cam Reddish. But unless they make another trade to dump some of their depth for an all-star caliber player, then whoever they draft is more than likely going to end up playing for the College Park Skyhawks. Matherin has the tools to be an impactful 3 and D starter. And I think he would make life easier for Trey Young. But that is if he can get on the floor. But if I am the Atlanta Hawks, and I feel like with the talent we have on the team, I am in position to gamble on superstar potential. And if I'm going to gamble on a superstar... I would go with A.J. Griffin here. Now, I know they gambled on superstar potential with Cam Reddish, even though Reddish was awful, at least on paper. He was awful and inefficient at Duke, and it did not pan out for Cam because allegedly he asked for a trade and wanted out, wanted more minutes. But if I'm Travis Link, again, I'm going with another Duke wing. I think with A.J. Griffin's talent, he would have... I mean, he should be a top five, top six pick, but he's had some injuries there. And, I mean, the injuries are the concern. So, I'm the Hawks. I bring him along slowly. I let him get his body right since he has a history of injuries. And I'm hoping that he is ready to start by year two or three and he can take some of of the scoring load off of Trey Young. So, I would swing for the fences here. I know it wouldn't be the ideal situation for Griffin early, but yeah, I would I would let him get his body right. I would let him just I would bring him along slowly because I think he has the higher upside. So I disagree with Gavoni there. But at number eleven, he has the New York Knicks taking AJ Griffin, and I think this would be a good fit. AJ Griffin to the Knicks would be interesting because he went to high school in the area, and like I mentioned, he does have star potential. It's weird because a few months ago, if you would have told me or told someone else that 
the Knicks would be in position to draft A.J. Griffin, you would have probably been like, what? Because the Knicks fans had high expectations after making the playoffs last year, and Griffin was expected to be in the top half of the lottery. But here we are. The Knicks are in position to draft A.J. Griffin, and if he's available, there's no hesitation in selecting him. So I'm going to agree with Javoni here. At number 12, he has my Portland Trailblazers selecting Oshai Abaji. I can't even front. Abaji's having a phenomenal senior year. I know there's someone in my mentions that is calling me out for having him as a second-round pick on my last big board after having him as, having him as a first-round pick on the first one. The scoring is up seven points. He's averaging 21 points per game on 52-47-69 shooting splits. Now, the 69% free throw shooting is a little bit concerning, but he rebounds, he's athletic, he's ready to come in and contribute right away. And if Portland stays as is, I... I don't really have an issue with the pick, although he would have some difficulty finding minutes behind C.J. McCollum and Norm Powell at the two, then Powell and Nazir Little at the three. Then you can throw in Ant Simons maybe on the court with Dame some. So it would be kind of tough for him. Now, me personally, I like Baylor's Kendall Brown as a connective tissue for Portland, but I don't know if his timeline to develop actually fits the roster since Dame and CJ are on the wrong side of 30 in basketball terms. So I guess you can say I'm indifferent with this pick. Based off of what ESPN has, Portland could be in position to draft Kendall Brown later on if Brown falls. I know at one point I had him as like a top five pick, but he's just so reluctant to shoot and score. And I think that's kind of knocked him down a little bit for me. All right, at number 13, Gavoni has the Memphis Grizzlies selecting Jan Montero. Why not? Memphis has the luxury where they can bring Montero along slowly early in his career. I think it would be tough for him to find minutes as a rookie, but I believe in the Grizzlies' development program. And I just think that Montero could be like a Lou Williams-type instant offense guy off the bench. And it could be for a Memphis team that I think will be contenders for years to come. I actually love it for the Grizz, but it may not be the ideal choice for Montero because he'll have a very, very small chance of earning a starting spot while on his rookie deal. And you know, with, I mean, kids, agents, whatever, you want to put yourself in position to make the most money. And sometimes if you're not starting, then you don't put yourself in position to make the most money in a limited role. Even though some may say if you're winning, that can help you earn more money, but you know, somebody may want to come in and start. I, I don't know. But I just think for the Grizzlies, it would be a, a a good fit there. All right, wrapping it up at number 14. Javoni has the Toronto Raptors selecting Marjan Bochamp from the G League Ignite. Now, I like the pick. I like what Marjan brings to the table as far as size, athleticism, toughness, intangibles, defensive potential. I mean, I just think that he is a guy that you can put in any system and he'll he'll play well. And I'm a fan of the Raptors front office and their development staff. But if I'm Toronto here, I'm going to go with Jaden Hardy. So I disagree with Javoni's pick here. I think the Raptors have the staff and the players on the roster that can maximize his talent. I know that he's been really inefficient this season. But his shot making and potential as a, a big time scorer really intrigues me. He has deep shooting range. I mean, he just has an advanced feel for 
putting the ball in the basket and shot creation. I mean, I think he may need to work on his decision-making, but I think the Raptors can help him with that. So I would go with Jaden Hardy here. And if he goes to Toronto, I expect him to live up to the hype and the buzz that he had coming into the season. Well, that wraps up this episode. But before I go, I want to talk to you about Locked on Bets. If you're into gambling, then Locked on Bets is the place to go. You get expert analysis from your boy Q. And Locked on Bets is the place to go for bets on the Locked on Network. Well, this is Rafael with Locked on NBA Draft, representing NBA Draft Junkies. Well, I mean, I am NBA Draft Junkies. I'm the one-man team. But thanks again for listening. And this is the point in the show where I say... I am out.